Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Vivisection, the show that gives you a comprehensive breakdown and expert analysis of all the fights happening on this weekend's UFC card. Here are your hosts, Zane Simon and Connor Rebush. Hey everybody, welcome back to the MMA Vivisection with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Connor Rebush. We're here once again talking about this week's UFC card going down at the Apex facility in Las Vegas, Nevada, with an okay fight night card to follow a big pay-per-view um doesn't have a co-main event doesn't really have a main card outside of the main event um but the fights overall should still be pretty fun a lot of well-booked action bouts up and down the card even if it's not necessarily for anything or means anything yeah, at least like the two fights that should be on the main card are. Yeah, yeah. You could argue Maya Moroz should be up there too, but that's sort of a spiritual thing. Is like, oh, Maya has been a top-ranked flyweight. Yeah, no, she should be there. You're right. But that's, she's that's... not. A, she, she's not an exciting fighter. She's not made her cut her teeth in the promotion being but still over sherman acosta at the very least absolutely if, if not kudalava and uh, as well that to me that to me is a natural main card fight though because yeah I, I it's gonna be fun it, it will be fun <laughs> i can absolutely get be fun and yeah. and because it's light heavyweight it's relatively relevant yeah so it's not bad honestly this is one of those cards that uh i mean it's not good but it's yeah. one of those cards that has yielded more interest uh, with just a bit of research. Molly hates it. Yeah, obviously. Well, Molly hasn't, you know, done her research. She hates but, watching film, famously. Color <laughs> 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 blind, okay. <laughs> um. So yeah, it's it's uh, it could be worse. It's better than like the last several fight night cards that we we yeah. I think quite justifiably bitched about. Yeah. So uh, top of top of the card, Derek Lewis, Sergey Spivak, and um, I don't know. This is one of those things where, like, I'm starting to get that that feeling that Derek Lewis is um, starting to fall off. Yeah, and I don't know how far to take that mm-hmm. because. Um, certainly the kind of fights he had with Tai Tuivasa and Sergei Pavlovich are the kind of fights he could have lost at any point in his career. Absolutely. These are guys who can do to him something that Sergei Spivak very rarely does to anyone. Yeah. And also at the same time, I feel like Derek Lewis is started to I think he very justifiably has tried to evolve out of the style that got him to the top of the heavyweight division. Yeah, it's a bit late. A bit late a bit for late. that. It's a bit late for that. I think, you know, it, it's one of those things. It took him all the way to the top. Mm-hmm. And it took getting to the top for him to very distinctly realize that that was ne- never going to win him a title. Mm-hmm. That's because, something that can really only happen at like heavyweight is to, yeah. to title, literally get to a title shot 
and have that be the moment you realize that maybe I'm not actually very good at MMA. <laughs> yeah. Pretty Just crazy. Being, being like, oh, wow, you know, not having any takedown defense and letting my opponent entirely <laughs> dictate the pace of the fight at all times uh-huh. maybe won't win me a belt. Yeah. And so he's kind of tried to come out and dictate the fight lately. He's been, uh, you know, I think ever since that Dowkhouse fight felt like the big sea change moment after really getting embarrassed by Cyril Gaon. Yeah. And he came out and he stormed Dowkhouse. And he's been trying, to, he tried to do that with Tuivasa and he tried to do that with Pavlovich too. And uh, it didn't work out in either, in, in either case. So yeah. it's hard to see like, has something physically changed for Lewis right now? Has something is the style is this a stylistic change that is going to lead him to worse results? Or are these just matchups that much like JDS and Mark Hunt years ago and you know even Sean Jordan and Matt Mitrione years before that? Yeah. They're hard Hard punchers who are cleaner kickboxers than him can always put hands on him. Mm-hmm. So I don't know because I mean, yeah, it's it's tough to say because it's just a these are just big dudes who hit hard. Like, yeah, this man went to a split decision with 2016 Roy Nelson. Like, these have always been difficult fights for Derek Lewis. And it's just the fact that these last two guys have like knocked him out. But it's also you can't say that he didn't look really markedly worse than before, at least against Tai Tuivasa. Yeah, it's a pretty normal Derek Lewis fight, which was like very 50 50. Yeah, that's that's why that's why I'm having trouble here. Is it like, yeah, <sighs> I don't assuming that Derek Lewis is the same, right? This is the trouble. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he probably should beat Sergei Spivak. Really, probably should because it's never wrestling exactly. unless Daniel Cormier. It's it's never wrestling that beats Derek Lewis. Yeah, perhaps the only edge that Spivak has here is that he he is routinely a pretty well conditioned heavyweight. Mm-hmm. That that coming into the UFC, that was his big yeah. ace. The hole was it as it often is for he, yeah. Out on the regionals, he could just go toe to toe with guys, have this wild grinding aggressive fight and then come round three, he'd be the, he'd still be the guy with something left. Right. Which could be a saving grace, whether or not Derek Lewis is slipping uh, for the usual dynamic of guy tries to take Derek Lewis down, destroys himself wrestling with a cliff. uh, And then ultimately like usually ends up on his back himself and gets destroyed. I should be noted, though. I did say he takes people, gets to round three and stuff, something left. Bivak never actually fought to a round three before he got to the UFC, so. Uh, But he's definitely outlasted people in many, many fights. I mean, he definitely has. Heavyweight cardio frequently doesn't outlast round one. Yeah. Uh, And yeah, Spivak has had plenty of fights, even in the UFC, where his uh, resilience and and stamina have carried him later in the fight. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is that he, I mean, he usually crushes people with wrestling. So I, I don't know. I mean, he's not like an overpowering wrestler, like, Mm-mm. like the like of Curtis Blades. But does he necessarily have to be if he's gonna have the clinch as a safety zone and just try to like body lock Derek Lewis and and grind him? 
Derek will also get tired. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then maybe Spivak can stay busy enough at range and just get lucky and not get slept. I mean, he's, um, <clears throat> you know, he's a rangy striker. He's got some basic fundamental boxing technique. Yeah, um, he's got the ability to occasionally put a one-two together. Yeah. And the feeling that doing that successfully gets him excited enough that he can't repeat it. You know? <laughs> It's just like, here's a one-two. Oh, wow, that landed really good. I'm going to try, try it again. Suddenly, like, the arm is turning over weird and the elbow is flaring out. And it just <laughs> can never happen twice in a row. It's like an excitable little dog. Mm-hmm. That's six no. foot nine. <laughs> sort of like gets so excited that it trips itself kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I'm... Um... <clears throat> I mean, the other thing is Spivak is, is for all that his, his conditioning is durable, he himself has never been incredibly durable. Mm-hmm. Uh, which isn't to say that everyone knocks him out, but... But when he gets in there with a the superior athlete, he can get cowed by power pretty quickly. Yes. I think I'm still going to pick Derek Lewis, and maybe it's a slight saving grace that he's not fighting in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's a little pressure there as well that they kept putting him in these main events and main card bookings in Texas, and those were the fights where he just got cooked. Uh, but again, they're also it's just it's impossible for me to say if Lewis has truly fallen off or not mm-hmm. because his style has been exactly this dysfunctional the whole time, and there's just certain opponents it's worked against and certain opponents it often hasn't. And again, these last two guys fall right into the category of dudes who beat Derek Lewis. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure that Spivak really does. He he definitely does not historically. Historically, this is a fight that you pick Derek Lewis in every time. Yeah. So you know, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I think that's I think that's where I have to lie, too, because like we said early on, wrestling is just not where Derek Lewis loses. And for Spivak, the question that always has to be asked about his fights is, can he out-wrestle this person? If he can, he'll win. If he can't, he'll lose. And he can take Lewis down, I'm sure. But you have to, like, you know, you have to be able to turn that into something more. Mm-hmm. And, be, like, even the Augusto Sakai fight, um. He took Augusto Sakai down a couple times early in the fight, and it didn't really, you know, it got Sakai tired because Sakai just, he panics when he's on his back much more than Derek Lewis ever has. Mm-hmm. But Sakai got up right away. It wasn't like uh, Spivak took him down and then it was like, oh man, Spivak's on top of him. This is the end. You know, it really has to be a process for Spivak. And, yeah, I mean, if it, in the past with Lewis, if he gets some, taken down and he has the ability to get back up, even if it's just if he has the ability to wait out a round and start the next round on his feet, right? he knows how to stay calm and just wait out bad spots and do that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think if 
Spivak's uh, striking is going to fall apart in prolonged exchanges, and if he's going to have to rely on just a constant string of takedowns and cage control, we've just seen that fight work for Derek Lewis so many times. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'll take Derek Lewis too. I it, this is one of those time things though where I'm really just like my gut is itching to jump off the Derek Lewis train and be like. Sure. This is where he, all of his fights are just going to become coin flips more trouble. than they were. Just trouble with the uh, with the uh, heavyweights, though. Like it can yeah. be very difficult to actually ascertain whether or not they've fallen off. Yeah, he could have another five years of performing at more or less the exact level he has for the past exactly. five years. And the and the fact that even when guys do physically fall off, they there are just different parameters for what kind of physicality you need here. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I doubt that even losing a little speed, Derek Lewis will not be terrifyingly powerful uh, and will still be big and strong. So, I mean, like, uh, again, look at how long dudes like like Roy Nelson, like mm -hmm. hung around at the top level. Andre Arlovsky is still out there, you know, not really winning lately, but he's still here. Yeah, I mean, you put him in against a low level guy who can't really hurt him and he's yeah. he's winning those fights. Yeah. So. It's a reasonably high level fight, which is really the only reason to even wonder if Lewis has fallen off. If they put him in, if they put him in there against Waldo Cortez Acosta or Chase Sherman. Yeah. Ruin them both, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you still got to, until I see it, I still have to side with the idea that this is not the kind of matchup Lewis has historically struggled with. Yeah, I think that's that's sort of the fundamental thing here. And it could be. I'm, I won't be surprised if he loses. Um, you know, Spivak is he's tough and he or he's he's got cardio and he can outlast people and he can wrestle. And if this is going to be a, a tipping point for Derek Lewis's career, I won't be shocked. It's just yeah. I need to see it to believe it, because this is not Sergei uh, Pavlovich and this is not tied to Ivasa. Yeah, big, strong, big, fast athletes who can go punch for punch and have the cleaner strikes. Yeah, I'd feel for Derek Lewis, but I, I would like to see Spivak win. I mean, sure, we, he's 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 a hustler, you know. Mm -hmm. He's he's a he's a fun, hardworking heavyweight. The heavyweight with cardio is a is as reliable a, a style archetype as the guy with a guard game is at light heavyweight. Yeah, I mean, you know, the division always needs their like. You know Ben Rothwell's and Josh Barnett's and those kind of dudes yeah. too. We and need be the... a big breakthrough win for him. I mean his mm -hmm. his UFC resume is honestly very impressive. Yeah, he's he's he lost to Marching Tabora, who's just like the tougher him. Mm -hmm. And then otherwise, it's just like a couple huge punchers have cleaned his clock. But he's yep. he's beaten a lot of good fighters. Yeah, I mean he beat Ty Tuivasa, another puncher who failed to clean his clock because Spivak can actually kind of wrestle. So yeah. Yep. We'll see it. It'd be cool to have him uh, sort of embedded in, in the mix at the top of this division and beating Lewis would definitely do that. Yeah. Odds on the bout. Lewis is the underdog here. A little surprised at that. He's, you know, been such a, a fan favorite over time. Opened at minus 115, jumped up to plus 145. Is currently at plus 160. Spivak is the favorite. Opened at minus 105, dropped down to minus 170, currently minus 195. Interesting. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess people are seeing which way the wind's blowing and maybe having the same feeling as us. And, you know, I mean, you, you you always get a lot of gambling, too, just on, like, who's winning lately, who's losing lately. Yeah, of course. What's uh, Is there any props for uh, Lewis inside the distance or Lewis by, I mean, if you're going to go inside the distance, you may as well bet KO. Let's see. Lewis wins by TKO. KO is plus 215. I mean. Yeah. That's Lewis a bet in, right there, right? Lewis inside the distance is plus 200, and there's no reason to bet on him by submission. No, absolutely not. Spivak by TKO KO is plus 160. Spivak by submission is plus 390. Wow. Better odds on uh, Lewis by TKO. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, if anything, it feels like even if Derek Lewis is the underdog, <laughs> the line for him by KO should be pretty close to even. Because Yeah. Well, I mean, that is pretty close to even, but I hear you. That's how he's... Well, it was plus 250, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Let me see. What, what was it again? Plus 250 by KO. I mean... Yeah. That's Lewis the only way KO, Derek Lewis right. wins these fights. Plus 215. Yeah, you're right. It is. You, you're pretty much banking on Lewis by KO. So. Yeah. If you're going to pick him, may as well pick him that way. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you think there's any chance that he has not fallen off, then uh, I would honestly say that I myself am tempted to place a small bet on that. Why not? Mm-hmm. All right. That brings us to our co-main event. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's announced like that. Uh-huh. Well, hey, I think this is the most deserving fight of co-main event status. Not for any reasons of relevance or anything. Yeah. It's, it's incredibly stupid, as all Iwan Kudalaba fights are, and it's going to mm-hmm. be amazing. Iwan Kudalaba, Kennedy Nzechukwu, and uh, they've been saying Nzechukwu. Nzechukwu. That's how John Anik has been saying it. I yeah, guess. he would know. I, I usually I, default to his pronunciation. Yeah, Nzechukwu. Um, and yeah, it's a light heavyweight bout. I mean, more than middleweight. Like this is the division where it's not even like, are you good at one thing? It's just like, are you athletic at one thing? And, um, man, Kudalaba just, like, I know he's a wild man, man, and he he didn't really walk into the, he didn't walk into the octagon for the first time with the sense of, like, a man who learns, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, we didn't see him, like, spray painting himself green and wearing Hulk hands and think, like, <laughs> out of a gentleman and a scholar right there. <laughs> this is an introspective soul. Yeah, uh-huh. but it's still kind of remarkable how little it seems like Iwan Kudalaba has learned. He's amazing. <laughs> I don't want him to learn, and I don't I want him to get cut. I want him to just keep not learning, and they just keep him around. Has there been a single Iwan Kudalaba fight that is not, in some way, tremendously entertaining? No, no, no. He... He knows no way to fight but to throw himself at his opponent at all yeah. times. I think probably the big learning process he's undergone lately is a feeling that he has to wrestle more. He's been knocked out a couple times in his career now. Um, and I think that's given him the idea that, like, don't stand in front of anybody for too long a time. Right. Just use your natural aggression to push you towards takedowns. Um. But doing that has only gotten him submitted more. Yeah. 
So it's no fighter not... gets hoisted by their own petard more than Iwan Kudalaba. Yeah. Just he just frequently he destroys himself. Yeah. And the guys that don't beat him tend to be fighters that either A get caught by him right out of the gate. Yeah. Or don't really have anything clean to offer him themselves. Yeah. You or know? guys who are like notably psychologically overwhelmable. Yeah. And I don't think Kennedy and Zetchikwu is any of those things. No. He is a very slow starter. And he is um, not the most damaging fighter at any point. But he's huge. And he knows how to throw straight. And he knows how to work the clinch. And he knows how to get to takedowns and hold positions. And he's tough as hell. And... It just seems like a, a recipe where, you know, Kudalaba can start fast, can come out, can land some big shots, can take him down. But Nzichiku is just going to start wearing on him and start slowing him down and start trapping him into things. You know, start finding points in the clinch to land big knees, start finding points on the ground to take his back and look for submissions. And yeah. Kudalaba just, you know, he 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 only gets madder as the fight goes on. So it doesn't, there's not a point where it's like, oh, I've made this mistake and I will learn from it. God, no. Yeah. It's it's more like, oh, okay, that didn't work last time. What if I just, he, I mean, in some ways, he can't, you know, he, he has Ronda Rousey brain. Yeah. Where it's just like, oh, that didn't work. I'd better do it way harder. That's yeah. the answer. And, um... <clears throat> Yeah, I just, I got to pick Kennedy here. Mm -hmm. yeah, Kudalaba is perhaps the most classic example of the guy who, um, who's, when he's focused on offense, has absolutely zero defensive awareness. Mm -hmm. And this is beautiful because Iwan Kudalaba is almost always completely focused on offense, mm -hmm. which is why he undoes himself in like practically every other fight. Yeah. Um, two out of three, really. Yeah, <laughs> these days. Yeah, lately at this level, uh, he just uh, even fights where he's he's doing really well early, but he he can't turn it off. He can't turn it down. Yeah. And as long as he's on the attack, which is always, he is uh, increasingly susceptible to any kind of counter, whether it's positional or just a straight up counter strike. Mm -hmm. um, a counter punch or whatever he he just never ever sees it coming so yeah um, Zetchukwu he might have a rough start if Kudalaba starts really hard but uh, he himself is, is marked by his toughness and his endurance mm -hmm. so how do you not pick him at, at some point he is going to start pressuring Kudalaba if he doesn't like get gifted a great position on the ground where I haven't actually checked the numbers. I assume he's a significantly bigger man. Six five, eighty-three inch reach. He's huge. Yeah. He's huge. Yeah. Six one seventy-five. I mean, it, if he ends up, as you said, on Kudalaba's back at any point, Kudalaba's not getting back up, or he's going to fight really hard to get back up and get submitted or TKO'd in the process. Yeah, that's. It, it's really just because he will. You know, even if. 
he just has a little space on his knees, he will like get up and lunge at Nzachiku, yeah. uh in the pro in the process of getting up. And this is a man you catch in transitions. Yeah, to say the least. So yeah, you have to pick Nzechukwu. Um, I don't care. I will be joyously celebrating Iwan Kudalaba no matter how many fights he loses. He loses them in the most predictably unpredictable ways every time. Yeah. Uh, I'm here for the anger. <laughs> Odds on the bout. Uh, Kudalaba opened the fight at minus 110, jumped up to plus 155, currently minus 145. Zechiku opened at minus 110, dropped down to minus 180, is currently at minus 177. I guess the major difference between Kudalaba and the actual Hulk is that uh, Hulk's catchphrase is, of course, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. And uh, as far as I can see, that's the only reason to like Iwan Kudalaba. <laughs> <laughs> it's his most charming characteristic. He's perpetually, his secret, he's always angry. That's exactly. right. That's right. Yeah, I don't think I don't think anybody would know anything about Iwan Kudalaba if he wasn't angry. No, no, that's all he's got going. Yeah. All right, that brings us to a heavyweight bout: Chase Sherman, Waldo Cortez Acosta. It's a hell of a quick turnaround for Waldo. Yeah, the dude just fought on the 29th, and that's too bad because like we're really wasting a good opportunity for a "Where's Waldo" joke. <laughs> If he'd he's taken, like, if he'd he taken like 14 months off, he'd be like, wow, where's Waldo? Yeah. Oh, here he is. No, he's just always hanging around. Uh-huh. <laughs> More of a get lost, Waldo, damn it. <laughs> God, there's Waldo again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, um... I don't know. I got to be honest. I was not particularly impressed with his UFC debut. Yeah. I mean, he's a, by, you know, he, he's a decent athlete by heavyweight standards, but sure. it's clear that he's still very raw and just kind of feeling out the dynamics of being a good athlete by heavyweight standards. Yeah. And what I really didn't like is, um, I mean, I don't know. The, the the dude has only eight fights. Maybe this will change. I mean, people do improbable things when they just don't have any resources to to fall back on. But I he I hated the way he dealt with the ad adversity of that fight uh, with Vanderoff. Yeah. yeah. He he got his legs completely chewed up. Um, had, you know, this is not unusual for MMA fighters at all, but, you know, like many MMA fighters had absolutely no idea of how to stop kicks from landing on his legs. Mm -hmm. Didn't know how to check, couldn't see them coming. Um, and, and this was combined with the fact that he let Jared Vandera kick him up off the back foot and couldn't cut him off. Mm hmm couldn't pressure the guy who was really only having success with his kicks, which is the most obvious way to deal with somebody who is just chopping you chopping away with their legs Yeah, to get in their face. And not only could he not do that, but then one I, I really hated seeing in the third round of a fight that I thought it was questionable whether he was even really winning mm -hmm. was out there 45 seconds left on the clock showboating. Sure. And playing around and like, again, maybe he learned something and that's just 
it's usually a cover for when a fighter doesn't know what to do. Yeah. Maybe that's not uh, itself a bad sign. It's just a sign of inexperience. But uh, I don't know, man. At the very, as, as you have often said about prospects, what you want to see is an aggressive instinct. Yeah. Above all else, you want to see a determination to go out there and win the fight decisively. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I would have much rather, I would have forgiven a lot of things in that performance if he'd spent the last 45 seconds just going ape shit mm-hmm. and, and trying to kill Vandera because the fight was close. Uh, and he couldn't muster the will to do that. I thought that was a pretty bad sign. So so you've said all that. Now you have to explain to the yeah. folks at home why you're picking him to win this fight. Yeah, right. Because, I mean, it's a really convincing case you've laid out for why he may not be a very good MMA fighter right now. Yeah. But we be real here. <laughs> well, hey, Chase Sherman beat Jared Vandera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? There's a reason for that. <laughs> decisively um yeah i don't know i mean he's definitely going to get to land all the clean punches he wants on sherman Uh i still don't i don't think it's impossible here that sherman survives and has that third round i gotta go for it decision in him that i that so far waldo cortez acosta does not seem to have it is never out of the realm of possibility that Chase Sherman, as a pretty okay athlete with pretty okay boxing technique, mm-hmm. can beat a low-end heavyweight. It's ne- it's never, like, way out of his grasp. Of course not. It's just... um, There's a lot broke with the man. Yeah, of course. But I mean, like, it, how much is Waldo Cortez Acosta like the dudes who have beaten Chase Sherman? Romanov was an obvious layup for for Romanov. Yeah, the wrestling, the power, you know, all of this. Jake Collier, wildly unpredictable, uh-huh. beat Chase Sherman on the ground. I have yet to see any evidence that Waldo Cortez Acosta could do anything except sort of slowly box. Sure. Parker Porter actually a pretty good boxer despite being a a, a pretty poor athlete uh-huh. but you know very aggressive good form good fundamentals relies on his jab knows how to how to pressure and keep slow cooking a guy and then andre arlovsky i guess is the one that looks the most like waldo cortez acosta yeah and i mean the thing is here that because chase sherman can't has never met a punch that he won't he won't eat yeah um, he, and he just can't fundamentally initiate offense for prolonged exchanges is, without taking shots. This is why I grumble whenever you say he's got reasonably good boxing technique. To me, if you can't land a shot without getting I, hit back at the same time, you're I, bad at boxing. I know, I know. I box. I, I one you of the things throw that, his hands is what you mean. What I mean, what I love about boxing is is that it is the true, true sport of pedants, more than any other sport out there it is the sport where like even the most like beleaguered regional journeyman boxer uh-huh. will be like oh no he can't box that's not boxing that's just that guy's just punching uh-huh. and what a, and it's just like yeah okay we all get we all get it 
That, well, like, what do you mean by boxing? You just mean punching. I just mean punching. I just mean that he knows how to throw his hands with reasonable speed and rhythm and with reasonable uh, coordination. Sure. And I get that that is not the entire sport of boxing, but it is more than most MMA fighters have. It is more than many MMA fighters have. Certainly yeah. more than Waldo Cortez Acosta has. Yeah. Um, True. Except that he has power. He has power. The big thing is he has speed. Speed and power, yeah. He's, the got, the, reason he's got the explosive power. The reason Chase Sherman beat Jared Vandera and that well, it was much more difficult for Waldo Cortez Acosta is that Jared Vandera is slow. Mm-hmm. And he picks his shots. He pick, He selects his shots really well, honestly. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, but he can really only select one at a time, maybe throw the occasional combo. Yeah. He's just not very fast, and he's always going to get hit when he is throwing like that. And um, Sherman is not slow. Sherman's pretty fast. So Sherman could go out there and match uh, Vanderaa punch for punch, and even though Sherman was getting hit every time, he could land two for every one shot he got hit. He got hit with. Um, and that I think is just going to be too much of a deciding factor here. Yeah. Is it if Waldo Cortez is as fast as Jake Sherman, or Chase Sherman rather, then he can he can hit him really clean, really hard every time Sherman wants to hit him. Mm-hmm. And I just I have seen the way Sherman loses hope in fights, and maybe he maybe he rallies from adversity here. He's done it. He did it against Vandera even, but it's always a process for him yeah. of being like, oh man, I got to hit really hard, and I don't want to do this anymore. This sucks. Yeah. This is not what I was working on. This is not how it's supposed to go. I'm supposed to hit him, and he falls down, and then I go home. Uh, yeah, I would and, say it would be a more promising sign to, that um, Sherman, like he almost never gets knocked out. Yeah. You know, like he, he got basically attrition TKO'd by Augusta Sakai. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's been clean KO'd by one quite technical striker and one insanely powerful, insanely fast super athlete in Walt Harris. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, the, the 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 problem is is that much of the reason he hasn't been getting knocked out lately is that he turns off. Yeah. Because the the chances of Chase Sherman getting knocked out rise dramatically when Chase Sherman is actually trying to win the fight. Mm-hmm. Um which is what happened against both Harris and Abdurakhimov. Yeah. Uh so yeah, you got Cortez Acosta. My, my question is, is, what does this even look like, though, if Chase Sherman does turn off? Like, if he loses a first round or gets hit in a big exchange or whatever and goes passive, it, it's going to be it's going to be terrible because it's going to be Acosta really goes, terrible. This it's is going be... to be a terrible fight. Yes, because he he's not going to be able to reliably corner and stay on top of Chase Sherman. Yeah. He's got no cage cutting. He's got no footwork. He's very planted. He just thinks you're going to come to him and he's going to explode and nail you. And 
uh, yeah, if Chase Sherman decides he's going to do his terribly negative version of outfighting, then uh, it's just the, the all the air is going to get sucked out of the room, I'm telling you. Yes, yes. And I'm picking Waldo Cortez Acosta. Yeah, win. me too. I, it, it sucks. And, like, this fight sucks. And yeah. But I'm I'm just not gonna pick I'm just not gonna pick Chase Sherman against somebody reasonably close to as athletic as him. Right. That's yeah. just all it is right now because it's not a matchup thing. It's not a dependent thing. It's just a if you're gonna go negative and you're gonna turn off from this fight, then it has to be somebody that really can't hurt you for me to yeah. trust that you're gonna be able to come back and take over and win. It has to be the Vanderas of the world. I would still yeah. give a reliably aggressive Chase Sherman or possibly a Chase Sherman who tries to build into a more aggressive fight uh -huh. as uh -huh. it goes a really good chance because yeah. Yeah. He's, he gets hit in every single exchange, but Waldo Cortez Acosta does not strike me as a man who expects his opponents to keep throwing when he's hit them. Oh yeah. No, I mean, th this is a fight that even just a Chase Sherman who is willing to like, throw a one, two and put this guy on the cage and then like oh, absolutely. in little body shots and little shots over the top over and over. Like the, it's a very winnable fight for him. It's fighting low level dudes. It's always winnable for Chase Sherman. It's yeah. Just, Clinching maybe even like just yeah. grabbing onto Cortez Acosta and press him against the cage, trying to exactly. work his body. Like there's a yeah. lot of ways for Chase Sherman to beat a guy whose skill set is like this narrow and shallow. Yeah, I'm just not going to pick it. Yeah, I'm with you. Odds on the fight? No, you know what? I'm picking Chase You're Sherman. picking Chase Sherman? Yeah, oh, I mean, who gives oh, a shit? I, yeah, may well. <laughs> I may as well. That's I right, know, man. I, I usually ride with experience, and uh, also, uh, you know, I've already developed a healthy resentment for Waldo Cortez Acosta, so yeah, yeah. that's All enough right. reason to make an emotional pick against him. All right. Uh, Chase Sherman opened at plus 140, is currently at plus 172. Cortez Acosta opened at minus 160, dropped down to minus 200, and is currently at minus 211. That's hilariously wide on Cortez Acosta. Yeah. yeah. Is, Anybody who got excited about that UFC debut has yeah. literally no idea what they're watching. I'm sorry yeah. to be that elitist, but it's true. Yeah, no, I, I did watch that fight, and he did really fall apart against somebody who just didn't go away and kept pe kept picking good sh good shots. Yep. And, but, and I like mean, as you said, just one at a time and just yeah. the most awkward evasive footwork and he had no answer to any of it except yeah. to occasionally accept a trade where he clearly landed the harder shot. But that's the thing with Bandera though is that he yeah. he is he's good at that. Like he is actually pretty good at being a guy who sees, "Oh, your body's open. I'm going to hit your body. Oh, your le you left your legs yeah, behind. Yeah. I'll, I'll kick your leg." You know, he takes whatever's on offer. I'm telling you right now, if Waldo Cortez Acosta wins here, give that give him Parker Porter next. Yeah. He's gonna I... find out how schlubby a man can still <laughs> make his make his life hell for fifteen minutes. <laughs> Something you've heard many a time. <laughs> oh yeah. You're, you're gonna find out how schlubby a man it takes to get the job done. <laughs> I just said that to my girlfriend last night. What? <laughs> no, hey, you know what? Whatever, whatever. Uh... To make your life hell. For although, <laughs> but, I, to be fair, I did not say 15 minutes. <laughs> I'm wary of overpromising. <laughs>
<laughs> Make your life hell for easily three or four minutes. <laughs> oh. Whatever, whatever disappoints your boat, man. Whatever. Yeah. It is sort of the heavyweight, the heavyweight division of bedrooms. <laughs> really. <laughs> All right. Uh, that brings us. <laughs> that brings us. Cool. I still have time to learn. <laughs> I'm a prospect still. That's, that's right. <laughs> Not even in your prime yet. <laughs> Just wait until you go to Jackson Wake. Ooh. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. All right. Uh, that brings us to our welterweight bout, Andre Fialho, Muslim Salikov. And um Yeah, this is this is a solid bout. This is a solid bout of dudes who have built remarkably disconnected, powerful uh games that do many things well in isolation. Mm-hmm. And I I think, I mean, the thing, so Salikov, we know that being able to to change things up on him and to match him for speed is really the secret to beating him. You know, you have, and you kind of have to do both because right. we've seen, you know, guys like Francisco Trinaldo and Nordine Taleb and Loriana Staropoli, who are capable of changing things up, if they're not, they don't, if they don't have the speed to match and the technique to match what Salikov is offering out at range, it's easy to get really isolated because he's so dynamic and he can change tempo so well that he, he creates a big kind of wall of confusion out there for a lot of fighters. And they just don't want to broach going in and testing him. They don't want to broach wading through that middle distance to test him. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, Li Jingliang and Alex Garcia were able to just kind of, you know, keep pace with him at, at the outside and change things up enough that it's pretty. it was pretty easy for them to make, to make him fall behind. Mm-hmm. I... Don't think Fialho can do that. He is a good dynamic pocket puncher, and he can change things up for takedowns and push people against the fence. He does have that second gear to go into his, into his game, but he always has to be convinced to get there. Mm-hmm. And um, it's always, it's never like an easy transition for him to make. It's never just like, oh, one, two into a shot and or a dynamic counter shot off pressure or something like that. It's kind of, oh, okay, I've battled my way through the pocket and I can see now that clinching and putting you against the fence is a good place to meet for me to be. And now I'll duck for a takedown. And if I can get it, you know, I'll actually really start steering the fight with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it never comes dynamically or instantaneously. Yeah. And the big thing we've seen otherwise for Fialho against both Jake Matthews and uh, Michelle Pereira is that he lacks dedication to a jab or to a range game of any sort, really. Yeah. 
all of his striking exchanges are based on whether whether it's you coming to him and him counterpunching or him getting to be on the front foot and him leading with hooks in the pocket and creating dynamic exchanges inside. It's all about being inside. It's all about dominating in that middle distance with power. Yeah. And Jake Matthews and uh, Michelle Pereira for long stretches were just able to deny him that middle distance. Mm -hmm. And it caused huge problems. He he just got stranded way outside yeah. and got hit a lot. And there's also the fact that, yeah, when he gets nailed, I mean, I, I think, honestly, I I suspect that the dude is quite durable. Mm-hmm. It's just that he's very tense and nervous, as we've pointed out many times. Yeah. And unless things are going his way, even if, even if, the, if they're only not going his way to the extent that the opponent is just staying away from him, he tends to just take the shots really clean. Mm-hmm. And then it affects the way he fights going forward. Becomes a little more timid, a little more likely to second guess himself. I mean, it's just things that happen normally, but things that you would like to have seen sort of uh, trained out of a fighter by this point in their career. Yeah. Where like you should come in and just at a certain point you have at a certain point long before this point. Yeah. You have accepted that you're going to get hit. You're likely even to get hurt. And that these are things that you know you can cope with. Uh, and Fialio doesn't have that confidence. He no. just doesn't. He doesn't. And Salikov is a dude that if you don't have that confidence, he will absolutely make you pay for it. Yeah. Which is why, yeah. by the way, as you, you sort of alluded to before, that Fialio does, in fact, often come out in a fight looking like the fighter you want him to be. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he, he's got himself geared up in the locker room. He's got his game plan. He does come out and work his jab and feint his way inside and puts on some really nice methodical pressure. Um, But he gets shaken out of that approach. Yeah. The jab and that style of getting to his ideal range is not wired in enough or it's not enough to overpower yeah. the confidence issues he has. Yeah. And it's too bad because, like, there's a winnable fight here for him against Salikov. He's yeah. athlete enough. He has all the technical tools. Salikov is at 38, probably losing a couple steps at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and Fialio on his game is honestly a very good fighter. Yeah, it's just that Salikov is so creative out there that he really flusters people. The ability to, you know, the, the spinning back kicks and the power in his hands and the speed and the tempo changes. Cause he's such a slow paced. Like he seems like such a lugubrious fighter that when he fires something really fast, it really, it really feels like a dynamic shift. You know, he's got a bit of that Mark Huntness to him where you're just like, you seem so calm and just that like you're fighting at a walking pace. And then you know, here's a crazy, here's a crazy spinning back kick that is fat, the fastest thing that you've ever seen, right. basically. And yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta trust that that's gonna shake Fiala up. He so. is very much just sort of another Pereira. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. He's maybe a little less athletic at this point, but also I think just more reliably round winning than Pereira often is. Uh, yeah. It, it looks like a very similar style matchup for Fialio, and he got pushed out of that one down the stretch, Definitely. as he often does. Yep. Odds on that bout, 
Fialho is it's actually the odds are dead even. Fialho opened at plus one fifty five, dropped down to plus one twenty five. It's currently down to minus one oh nine. Salikov opened at minus one eighty and is currently up at minus one twelve. So, okay, dead even in the odds. Um, I mean, I I get that Salikov has started to lose. Uh, couple you know he, he's lost a couple fights he's lost a couple steps so well he's, he's actually really only lost the fight to lose the, the one yeah I yeah he's just lost the one guy that has an incredibly winning ufc career he just yeah. beat francisco trinaldo the, the previous year i mean yeah and Jing leong is really good i mean i yeah. know Jake matthews stepped up big too but like cameron van camp yeah is absolutely the kind of fighter that that Andre Fialho will always beat. Yeah. And Miguel Baeza is road enough that nobody gets confused for too long again. And he almost lost to Baeza. And he almost lost to Baeza. He, he got hurt by him. He also he got hurt by Van Camp. Yeah. He's just I, really tense and just when a shot comes he doesn't see coming, he just takes it super flush. Yeah. I don't I don't really see why this would be a dead even fight really. Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, I don't think it should be a huge odds. Again, Fialho, yeah. if he ever turns that corner, yeah, something ever clicks, he has the potential to be a, a high-level fighter. Yeah, um, absolutely. He just hasn't done it yet. All right, that brings us to another welterweight bout. Jack Della Maddalena, Danny Roberts, and... Um, fire. Fire fight. What the hell is up with Danny Roberts, though, man? Like, what a... What a weird extended career he's had. Like he has been in the UFC for seven years now. Mm -hmm. And it just seems like he is never going to fight anybody, but the next upcoming mid card or the next upcoming action fighter, you know? Yeah. He's, he's just been in sort of stasis as yeah, the guy they bring in to, to, to have an insane fight. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, um, plenty of step up steps up where he's just been firmly pushed back. Yeah, so it's not yeah. like there's been a really good case to move Roberts up the rankings. Yeah, uh, all the fights against good fighters or less good fighters are all super fun and exciting, but the good fighters have generally obliterated him. Yeah, uh, he's he's not the most durable guy in the sport. He's uh, another fighter who's um, just wide open whenever he actually commits to putting punches together. Mm -hmm. uh, Which unfortunately pushes him onto his back foot where he has no sense of retreating footwork. Yeah. Which is just as big a problem. Right. Because it's, you know, coming forward when he lets his hands go, he is wide open to get hit really hard on the counter. Mm-hmm. And he, he's learned this, which is why Michelle Pereira was instantly able to put the scare of his life into him. Right. And was just like, oh, my God, I can't. This is not going to work for me. I can't go out there and throw with this guy. It's just that, unfortunately, then he has no spatial sense of where he is in the cage retreating either. Mm -hmm. And so everything just gets worse. Yeah. He has to, it's weird because he kind of, he has to be in a firefight that doesn't hurt him too much. Like, that's the ideal Danny Roberts fight. 
is like, oh, we're going to mix it up. We're going to do, we're going to have some exchanges. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get hit a couple times, not going to get hurt too bad. And I'm going to be able, we're going to wrestle. Then we're going to start grappling and things are going to just go real back and forth. And as long as the fight feels fluid like that, like it's constant, the dynamics are constantly changing. Mm-hmm. You get some really good performances out of Danny Roberts. Sure. Yeah. But, and I'm curious about that here. I mean, Danny Roberts, like being super willing to mix in the takedowns mm-hmm. is certainly something I, I've yet to see Madalena really deal with a lot yet. Not that yeah. Roberts is like a phenomenal wrestler, but he's not bad. Yeah. He's in the, the flow dude, of a uh, fight. He can do a lot of things really well. Absolutely. I mean, he scrambled super impressively with uh, Claudio Silva. Yeah. Um, and Absolutely. stuffed a lot of takedowns and hit some takedowns of his own. I mean, yeah. And with David Zavada too. Zavada, yeah. I know he kind of got drummed out of the UFC, but he's honestly a really fun, a hyper aggressive fighter. Yeah. So that, that to me is the, is the thing I'm most curious about in this matchup. Um, you know, failing that for Roberts, it looks like a fight where he just gets pressed into the fence and turned into paste. Yeah, that's the big worry for me. <laughs> unless he can get Madalena down, like get into some good positions, get a get on a body triangle or something. Mm-hmm. Um, then he that lack of defensive footwork, lack of defense in general. Yeah, uh, all Madalena wants to do is push forward and and land hard punches. He's going to get hit clean. I mean, look at the man's nose. Yeah. My Roberts, God. Roberts is going to nail him with some straight lefts, uh, run him into some hard jabs, but, uh, Madalena just doesn't care. Yeah. Super durable and is himself a very educated combination puncher. Mm-hmm. And even if it means taking the shots, he is going to react dynamically to what shots you're landing and try to punish you. Yeah. I think and, the big, yeah. The big thing I expect to see here, especially, is like a could, it could be an immediate game changer and really make this fight short. Is the body punching? Yeah. That if Madalena can back Roberts to the cage and start landing to the body. Yep. Then he's not. Roberts won't see what's coming to his chin at all, and it could be a pretty short, you know, sort of your Ilya Tapuria. Um, Oh, what's uh oh uh Damon Jackson oh, kind okay. of thing where you know he Jackson looked like he was scrappy and kinda in the fight for a minute, landed a few shots, but Topuria just digging to his body over and over set up a pretty quick hand, uh, hook upstairs that just absolutely cleaned his clock. Yep. So Yep, Della Madeleine is one of those guys who you just know he's a puncher looking at him. Yeah, yeah, well. His hands are huge. Mm-hmm. His face looks like he's been in a million barroom brawls. Uh, and yeah, I totally agree. The body punching. I mean, that's what everyone, all the hipsters like Della Madeleine for. Yeah. Is the body punching. And, and for good reason. I mean, it's perhaps it's, the most essential, like, special ingredient for a pressure fighter. Mm-hmm. Is if you're trying to overwhelm somebody be willing to hit them with our open and see what else opens up. And yep. Madalena does that every single fight. Uh, Madalena opened at minus 335, dropped to minus 425. It's currently at minus 540. Roberts opened at plus 275, jumped up to plus 325. It's currently up at plus 393. It's, I get it. The dynamics of it feel 
really bad for Roberts. But it, mm-hmm. I mean, it is just kind of sad because Roberts, like, he's a good athlete. He is. He has the ability to let, to to work with speed and dynamism everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like he can be a dynamic grappler, he can be a dynamic wrestler, and he can be a dynamic striker. It's just none of it comes with defensive awareness. Mm-hmm. And even and and if it comes with the awareness that he gets hurt, that he can get hurt, then he tends to just get hurt worse. You know. True. It is uh. Kind of, you know, what we were just talking about in that same way. It's the Chase Sherman thing. Mm-hmm. Well, with Chase Sherman, we're talking actually about how if he doesn't think he can get hurt, that's where he gets hurt the worst. It's the opposite of the Chase Sherman thing. <laughs> it's related. It's just it's similar dynamic. Similar dynamic with different outcomes, but yeah. the same outcomes. I don't know. Whatever. We I all know get it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm following you, Zane. Don't worry. All right. On that note, we're going to wrap things up. You can find me on Twitter at TheZaneTime. You can find Connor on Twitter at BoxingBush. You can find both of us over at BloodyElbow.com. Give us a like. Subscribe to our podcasts over on Bloody Elbow Presents on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all those good places. And we will be back in one week's time for UFC on ESPN Thompson – or two weeks' time for UFC on ESPN right. Thompson versus Holland. As always, the MMA section is brought to you by Chris Reaney and his book, The Fine Art of Violence, which you can find over at chrisreaney.com, C-H-R-I-S-R-I-N-I.com. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, the Level Change Podcast, the MMA Vivis Section, the 6th Round Post-Fight Show, 6th Round Retro, the MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, Guest Podcasts, The Hey Not The Face Podcast, and Radio Style Play-By-Play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bloody Elbow Blog, and as always, on BloodyElbow.com.